Today on the Amped Up to 11 podcast, Earl Granville. Earl served nine years in the Army National Guard as an infantryman. On his final tour, he lost his left leg through the knee to a roadside bomb while on patrol. Earl now spends most of his time traveling the country, public speaking, motivating others, and winning countless awards for his volunteer work. It is our pleasure to introduce this extraordinary veteran, Mr. Earl Granville. Earl, how are you doing today? Good to see you. Hey, thanks for having me. Happy St. Patrick's Day. Woo, wearing green this year. <laughs> <laughs> I see that. I feel like I'm out of season here in my, uh, I don't know, it's just some kind of reddish type of shirt here. I do appreciate you being here. I know you are super busy. I get a little dizzy when I follow you because you are kind of all over the place in many parts of the world doing many different things. You uh, volunteer, you compete, you publicly speak. There are so many aspects to your daily, let's call it. Um, I'm sort of blown away by it. When I was thinking about you, because I have followed you for a long time and we've been communicating through email, I want to say <laughs> maybe over the last three to six months, just you know, trying to find a good fit for you to come on the show. When I really think about your story, and I've done a deep dive. I mean, I've done a deep dive on Earl Granville. Man, we could do a, a, a docu-series on your life. There's so many aspects to your story when you when you consider your you know your humble beginnings in Pennsylvania to um, you know your your going into the military into your relationship with your your twin brother to losing you know losing a limb in combat to what I like to refer to, we'll call this episode the comeback, you know, he's coming back from this. And all of that is just vast. So when I think of, well, I've got Earl for an hour, I'm like, shit, like, how am I going to fit all this in? Because it, there's a lot. So mm-hmm. I think where I want to start a bit is given all of what you do, what you've been through, the first question I would ask you if I just bumped into you on the street would be, who inspires you, Earl? Who inspires me, man? You know, I got to, I think everyday people, I know people are, um, I hear a group of people who are like, oh, I, don't, I just don't like people, this and that. Like, I'm the other way around, man. I, I just, uh, I love people. Um, uh, if I can meet every damn human being on planet Earth, man, uh, like, I I love what I do. I love when I when I speak to an audience and they come up and, you know, I, I don't just, hey, guys, thanks for listening to them out the door. No, I love to hear their stories. I love to hear, you know, what, um, you know, sometimes they'll tell me, uh, their hardships and their adversity, what they've been through. And I just love hearing all of that. And I just think everyday people and just 
you know, I got this second chance at life and it's, um, and we'll get into that later, but, um, yeah, the second chance at life, I just, and then, um, you know, losing somebody close to me at their own hands shortly after it just made me realize I can't waste this. Yeah. And it's just, it's why I'm pulled in every direction and, and, um, and really just enjoying what I do. And sometimes really damn tired. And I, I, <laughs> and I think it shows. No, I think it shows because, you know, when I when I watch you publicly speak and when I see you engaging in your volunteer work, it shows you, you can't fake that. You can't fake that connectivity that you definitely have with people and how you reach uh, and inspire in the way that you do. What would you say is the way that you go about kind of balancing it all? When I when I think of you, I, I sort of think of that guy that's like spinning the plates, you know, and you're kind of like <laughs> trying to keep them all spinning, so to speak. Mm-hmm. What would you say is, you know, what gives you that ability to, and it might even be practical stuff, like I'm a good planner, you know, I write shit down or I, I, I fill my calendar, you know. Um, but, but what do you think allows you to engage so fully in so many different things? I feel that, um, you know, I just well-planned, you know, I, I don't have an assistant. I do everything on my own. Uh, and I like it that way. Even when it comes to my speaking, um, I don't use an agent because I feel like I have the ability to determine what I charge, um, depending on my audience, like, uh, you know, big corporation like Pfizer had me come speak last year. I threw a number out and they accepted immediately and they, they're going to get my program. The local boy Scouts down the street. I'm going to do that for free. And you're going to get the same exact dynamic of what I deliver. And I feel like that gives me the freedom to talk to whoever I feel is appropriate and which I haven't really turned on a, a gig yet or um because I, I just feel like anybody can relate to what my program is when I speak and I feel like that um with the charity work um the two organizations that I'm highly involved in one is uh, Operation Enduring Warrior and the other one's the Oscar Mike Foundation in both these organizations uh we help wounded and disabled veterans and law enforcement and building to more first responders as we grow, live an active lifestyle. And I think some with a partnership I have with Spartan Race, that gives me the freedom that they give us so many bibs for an event. And what this does is, um, hey, do you ever want to run a Spartan Race? Oh, I don't know if I could do something like that. Why don't you come join our team? It won't cost you anything. You just got to get there. Uh, we got yeah. like three extra bibs. Bring a friend with you, so you're not doing it by yourself with a bunch of strangers. And what yeah. the, I and I feel like this once again, it gives me the freedom to bring people to my world, which I found a lot of joy, a lot of purpose, being a part of something bigger than myself. All these three P, three P's I talk about in my program: having a purpose, developing a passion, being a part of something bigger than yourself. It's I'm not just speaking in front of an audience, but these charities are run in Spartan, the community. It's given me an ability not just to speak it, but also invite people inside of it. Does that make sense? Yeah. And to- it's, it's just totally. a, 
You know, I, it, and, it, it just goes full circle. Like all these people now are building their relationships, achieving physical goals. They never thought they they would be able to. But beyond getting that medal at the end of the finish line with these charities I run, it's the relationships we build with one another that you have built a friendship. Um, even with some people, they've, uh, you know, uh, romant, romantic relationships have been involved and people start dating and even a few marriages. It's, it's pretty funny just the way it all works. <laughs> that's, true. that's so true. When you're, when you're engaging, let, let's say, you know, like a corporation like Pfizer versus uh, let's say you were to speak to a, a disabled group of people. Do you feel like that messaging has to be massaged in any way? Are there, are there universal messages that you sort of try to stick to? And, um, or is there something in you as a speaker that you just kind of run on instinct? How, how does, what does that look like for you in the planning phases before you speak to a group that is so vastly different in those two situations? Well, one of the two I like to use actually is um, the difference between them is corporations and inmates. You know, both mm. I've spoken to quite a bit and, you know, even the disabled community. But to answer your question, let's focus on the disabled community. I always feel that um, it's been 10 years. Or it's, I'm sorry. It's been 15 years since I lost my leg. I don't even think my whole life in my mind, I've always been like this. Okay. But what got me to, to leading this way was stepping out of my comfort zone. And for people, somebody with maybe a type of disability, uh, no matter what it is, physical, mental, um, cognitive, whatever ha whatever's going on, I like to discuss the importance of stepping out of that comfort zone because you'll never know what you can achieve if you take that leap. But also, you don't have to do this by yourself, this journey that you're on. I found that with a community charity. The charities that are on the power of what community can do. It's not about me. It's not about you. It's about us. Uh, I, I use an example of what happened during COVID, during the pandemic. It's small yeah. businesses took a hit. So my community here in Northeastern Pennsylvania, Scranton area, came together to make sure a lot of these small businesses didn't fold. Does that make sense? Yep. And that all ties into if I'd be talking to an audience of people with disabilities of don't let it define who you are. Something I like to always say, my, um, a buddy of mine, uh, Anthony Busco, he was, uh, um, a first sergeant in the army and he's my teammate in operation during warrior. I heard him say once what OEW, his idea, of what operation during warrior is, we're not going to let our honor, their honor, our honorees. We're going to make sure their disabilities don't define them. They're going to define themselves. And man, I, I heard that. He said that in a documentary, and I was like, it's just so poetic and so true at the same time. You know, I, something I like to always say is, you're only a victim if you choose to be a victim. We could be a victim of something, but that doesn't mean we have to label ourselves a victim. Does that make sense? Yes. So hearing Busco say that, I said, it, it, it's kind of similar, just worded a little differently. You're going to define yourself. And, but that would be something I would discuss to maybe um, a group of people with some type of disability. Um, however, I feel there is a blanket 
portion of my program, which I feel everybody can relate to inmates, people who work in corporations, um, anybody, schools. I call my program the weight of adversity. And every single one of us out there has faced something heavy in their lives. And it's, it's, it should never be a pissing contest of like, you know, oh, well, you know, I, I cared. I dealt with more stuff than you or, you know, if, if, yeah, if that's your attitude. You. Exactly. You know, it's, uh, you know, I always say the three recipe to find those three P's is a good attitude, stepping out of your comfort zone and community. But right now that first recipe, a bad attitude of, you know, I've had more heavy stuff than you in my life. Well, right on automatically you're lost. I truly believe that yeah. you, it's a pissing contest like that. Because everybody's adversity is different. What happens to me, somebody else might not be able to handle it the same way. But we could get you to that level. That's where the community comes into play. Okay? And when I'm talking to corporations or professional sports teams, at the end of the day, the adversity that you face inside, outside of your job, outside of your team, whatever goals you're reaching, that adversity is going to hold you down. Okay? But you don't have to carry it alone. Because when it holds you down, that team you're a part of, that job you're a part of, it's affecting everybody. So sometimes I like to say the power of what vulnerability can do so you don't have to carry the weight of adversity by yourself, reaching out to the right people, whether it's a, you know, a counselor, whether it's um, maybe somebody you can trust, whatever it may be, all those things. Understand the power of what community can do so we all carry it together. Yeah, it's 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 fantastic, and I I've taken you know plenty of opportunity to listen to you speak online. There there's plenty of content on YouTube uh, where you speak to different groups, and in order to get a, a good flavor of what you bring to that space, you know, I was thinking about you this morning, and I thought, well, obviously fitness. I mean, you were a soldier, you did tours, and of course, you're, you're a young guy and in shape. However, it seemed like after your amputation, fitness was very much a catalyst in your life, um, going to the next level and Mm -hmm. doing some of these really high functioning activities, competitions, and engaging yourself, uh, pushing yourself, let's say breaking boundaries Am am I seeing that right? What were you surprised at what you could do as an amputee? You mentioned earlier in this podcast, uh, who's my inspiration? Um, one individual I always like to mention, and he's probably sick of me saying it, <laughs> but he, <laughs> one of the most a humble human beings, and how he is as a as a father figure, how he is as a husband. Um, um, his name is Noah Galloway and I don't know if you're familiar with Noah, but, um, yeah, I've seen, anybody him. I've out seen there. him online. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so Noah him. is a guy who I just saw on social media and, um, here's this guy missing an arm and a leg from his tour of duty in Iraq while serving with the 101st airborne, um, out there doing just amazing things. And, uh, that was a little bit of a push in where I'm at today. I always feel like, and I, at the time I never met Noah in person, but, um, 
one of the things with Noah is I, when I finally did meet him face to face at my first ever Spartan race in 2013, you know, I didn't know he was going to be there. And, you know, so I fangirled a little bit, you know, tore down my Noah Galloway poster so he doesn't see it. <laughs> Not to make it weird, but it just, that's how much I respected this guy, you know, like, oh man, right. like, and, and he said, do you want to run alongside us? And he was with an organization called Operation Enduring Warrior. And, um, and anybody out there, if you're unfamiliar with OEW, it's, I've been a part of them for nine years now. And uh, like I said earlier, our mission is to help wounded and disabled veterans and first responders stay active. And one thing that sticks out, I feel like with any other hat that I wear with all these charities that I am a part of, is to become a team member in OEW is you have to be current or former military or first responder. And then that doesn't mean we don't take civilian volunteers. That That is not what this organization about. Become a team member. That is the first criteria, which I think is important sure. for uh, a lot of people who too. may wa- wore that uniform and they're looking yeah. for something of maybe a, to come back to some type of nature who think the same, who were once part of something bigger than themselves. And so what always, um, before we jumped on that Spartan race, each team member who are, is in a multicam looking military style uniform, huddle around in a secluded area. And then their little backpacks, they pull out a gas mask and they don it. And I was like, man, you guys are hardcore. And after, yeah. after, uh, we, um, ran the race. Noah said to me, what do you think about joining us? And I said, man, I don't think I'm ready for something like that. But you know, this man who I respect a lot is asking me to join this organization. It's like, I followed the Chicago Bulls my whole life and I'm playing a random pickup game. And here comes Michael Jordan said, Hey man, you want to be on the same team? Like you don't turn that down. You know what I mean? <laughs> so I, um, I went through this indoctrine Half my class failed. It was a long weekend at Fort Bragg, North Carolina. And mm-hmm. um, I ended up, uh, you know, succeeding. Earning that mask in Operation Enduring Warrior made me realize the capabilities of what I can do. And what was slowing me down was myself. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like seeing uh, what some of these other men and women were doing who are amputees or just a disability in general. And I was like, man, why can't I do that? And also what this made me do as well is I'm leading individuals who are in situations like mine, help them reach their goal, which has, puts me in a situation where, well, I got to be in top tip top shape. I don't want to make somebody do something that I've never done. So it turned my thought process around of what I was doing. Okay. Like, dude, you got to be up on your A game when you're doing these events. And what this led to originally, which was just me uh, helping or not just me, but like my team out here running these courses with these, what we call our honorees, helping them reach their goals. It grew a passion of just physical, physical fitness in general. Because now I want to achieve things on my own. Like uh, with OEW, I climbed Mount Rainier. And after that, I got an invite to climb Mount Albert later on, which was you know a new milestone. I got asked to run a race in, um, uh, in the Netherlands last year, the first ever 
Spartan race for individuals with disabilities and actually made the podium. And that was that hard work I did to get there. So I guess like one of the biggest things is OEW pushed me out of my comfort zone and found this new passion, which is in physical fitness. And I felt like I was always active, but OEW helped me take it to the next level. And I feel like as an amputee, so much of forward progress comes from realizing to get there, you have to become uncomfortable. That yes. having those those gains and that forward movement, um, if you're not uncomfortable, you're probably not in a process of change. You're in a process of status quo. And it's it's very unlikely that things are going to go to the next level, unless you're feeling a little anxious, a little stressed, because that feeling, that uncomfortableness of, can I do this? Can I, can I, you know, am I really doing this? Then what I find, the more I do that and push myself, that's when I almost kind of feed on that energy. Like, I want to feel that way again. I want to feel like, oh shit, oh shit, can I do this? Can I really do this? And obviously I'm at a a very different fitness level than yourself, but reaching fullest potentials and plateaus comes from pushing those barriers and saying, no one's going to do this for me. I have to keep nudging myself forward. And at times, you know, take a leap into something that is completely out of let's say what you ever thought you could do as an amputee. I went, I went skydiving for the first time last summer and as an amputee, I thought, is this something that people like me even do? Is this something that I'm allowed to do? Having no clue, no idea. And you start to peel back the first couple layers and realize, well, of course, like amputees do it all the time. And then, you know, social media is a beautiful thing. Oh, I'll follow this guy. I'll follow that guy. These people are jumping out of airplanes all the time. I mean, Mm -hmm. that's their thing. That's their jam. And going to that and being uncomfortable and doing it, I mean, Earl, I've got several family members doing it with me this summer. So continuing... Yeah, continuing to kind of, like you're saying, like build, you know, build that little community, that little group to say, Mm -hmm. hey, let's do this. And I mean, when an amputee asks you to jump out of an airplane, I guess it's it's to to an able-bodied person, they're kind of like, well, he does it and he doesn't even have both of his legs. You know, I can't Mm -hmm. get out of this. I guess I got to go. And um I think that that's a, a really important lesson. Um, with all the different disciplines and activities that you engage, I, I, I tend to go to this place as an amputee myself when I look at you. I want to talk a little bit about limb care with you because you're one of those high-functioning amputees that, I mean, you're doing shit that I, I think, damn, this guy's he, he's beating on himself. I mean, he's really, really pushing the boundaries of what that residual limb can do. And not to say that you don't have a great prosthetist and you don't have the right equipment. 
we all know, even with that secret sauce, there's only so far we can go. Um, so talk to me a little bit about what you do as an amputee to preserve your skin, to preserve your limb, to make sure that you can bring your best self to those activities. Mm-hmm. Well, truth is, I could be much better at it. So, and <laughs> I am not like it, that is something that I'm working on. And the biggest wake up call was last year. Um, so, the way how I have my socket designed, okay, as, yeah. as an above knee amputee. Now, first off, my amputation, it's uh, my left leg. D disartec. So I have a, if anybody out there listening, you don't know what that means. It's basically I'm above knee amputee, but I have a full femur. So they removed the knee from the femur. They didn't cut through the bone. Um, I woke up in, in Germany after being wounded in Afghanistan um, to the doc saying we're going to have to amputate. And that's what we came up with. Um, I originally ha- was a BK for about a day and then they had to go back in. I don't, I, I use funny cause I don't talk about that a lot, but, but yeah, I was a BK for a day. And then, uh, before I left Germany, that they rhymes, said, you know, yeah, BK for a day, BK for a day. There's a, you know what? There's a amputee band name right there. You know what I mean? BKs for a day. <laughs> Rock on, but, um, brother. Okay. Anyway, um, I digress. Sorry about that. No, it's all right. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> but yeah, so r- right in the beginning, um, you know, I, I didn't going into this, I had no idea. I didn't know how important it was for someone to have a knee compared to an amputee who doesn't have a knee. Like I just, oh, wow, they're cutting a limb off. That's you know, complete sheer ignorance to all of it. But as yeah. I move forward and as I get active, I noticed that like, like daily, I was at one point, I was wearing a running leg every day. I go to CrossFit depending on what the watt is or I wake up and I go for my morning run before I do strength training. And I got sick of taking the leg off to put another one on. You know what I mean? Like the socket. Mm. And I think with that, with an, um, with that, with an AK, it's more of a process, the vacuum seal and all that stuff. So I asked my processes, I said, hey, there's that little screw on the bottom of – here, I'll even just show you guys. There's yeah, a little screw on the bottom so. Thank you. of uh, your socket right here. Every socket that I've seen, it's usually – see, I'm looking at it as top right, but it's usually bottom left. So I, I'm down here with a wrench. But instead, I use this as, a, as this is a wrench. It's right here in front of me, and I just unscrew it like that. And what I do is I unscrew my walking leg on, off. I, I unscrew that, and then I just put a blade right on. I get out there. I do my thing. I sweat a lot. And then I old switcheroo, put the other one back on. The downfall of this is sometimes I got a little complacent when it comes to cleaning my residual limb. Uh, which leads to infections. You know, there's there's no airflow there. So it builds bacteria from all the sweat. Yep. And I would get skin infections a lot. Antibiotic, antibiotic. Last year, uh, we couldn't keep one under control. 
And uh, when I was talking about I went to the Netherlands to go compete, uh, I actually ended up in an ER right outside of Amsterdam. And oh, um, wow. I learned real quick, you know, a lot of these ERs here in the States, what I, I just asked them, was like, look, little fluid in there, give me some antibiotics. Before you do that, let's stick a needle in there and drain whatever pus is out. Well, in Amsterdam, they were doing that, but they don't use Novocaine. So, oh. whew, what a feeling that was, you know? <laughs> and it's like, yo, yeah, let me record this, let me record this. <laughs> but, um, and I, I was very, very upfront about them. Look, I'm here uh, in two days. There's a Spartan race in Zanvut. I'm here to compete. Please, what can we do with this? So like, they drained it and put me on antibiotics, and I was good to go. Um, two weeks later, back in the States, infection came back again. This is probably about the fifth cycle of antibiotics in such a short period of time. Like something's obviously wrong. I went in. They did a... A uh, what's that when a woman is pregnant and their ultrasound and oh, they did an ultrasound okay. and they said yeah you got an abscess there and it's got to go mm -hmm. like right now so what they did was they sliced me open and they packed it they cleaned it then they packed it and the big downfall of this it's like not wearing my leg for a while yeah so, I was going to say because I do recall on social media seeing you posting um, you were strangely, I thought you were still pretty active, but you were, you were hopping around quite a bit. Um, there's a couple videos out there. Uh, and I'm, it's a little fuzzy to me cause it, it was a while ago, but, um, what I found so extraordinary, I'm like, he's obviously in a healing cycle, but there's Earl doing his thing, you know? <laughs> I'm like, this fucker yeah, doesn't stop, man. It just never <laughs> stops. <laughs> I ended up uh, doing a few Spartan races on crutches. Um, but yeah, I wasn't doing them by myself anymore. Like, I don't want to do a Spartan race on crutches by myself. So I had friends with me. The funny thing about that is in March of last year, March this March of 2022, I was in San Antonio doing a Spartan race. And these there was these uh, – they had to be military amputees. But I ran – uh, they were ahead of me on crutches and I was catching up to them and I, and I slowed down and the one gentleman knew who I was and he, and he says that, man, you're, you're a rock star, this and that. But my response to him was like, look, dude, you're the rock star because I would never do this on crutches. <laughs> a few months later, here I am doing it on crutches. You shouldn't so. have said that. <laughs> I know. It's like I ate my words. I'm like, well, yeah, I kind of put myself in that situation. <laughs> you just, then, um, they call that a jinx. <laughs> <laughs> big time, man. Oh, saw, horrible, you horrible. saw into the future. You're, and the big one was... Uh, uh, <laughs> go ahead. <laughs> it's just so funny to me because I have found myself doing things like that where I'll say something mm. and then literally like three months later, I think, oh man, I should have never said that because here I am. <laughs> it's like a universe... Situation. Universe yeah. heard you, and they're like, oh, yeah, oh, yeah. you think you're not going to do that? All right. <laughs> Powers of the but, um, universe. Go ahead. The big one was June of last year. Um, I was team leading for OEW, an event. It's a AT&T Stadium Spartan race in uh, Arlington, Texas, basically where the Dallas Cowboys play. Mm -hmm. And oh, I, can't do, I can't mask up and – do all this stuff without uh, 
you know, on crutches. It just, you know, it just doesn't, wouldn't seem right to me. And um, I asked the guys, I'm like, look, how would I, I, I'll just be an honoree for this race. And you guys assist me through it. I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So the rest of my mass athlete teammates. And I, um, I crutched to the first obstacle. And it's, uh, it's, you pick up the medicine ball and you slam it. They call it ball slams. And I think it's like a 30-pound medicine ball. And it took me a little while because I'm, you know, on crutches. So I got to balance myself, pick it up like this. And, and I just crutching from, to that obstacle from the starting line. And, I, you know, yeah. it's not like this is the first Spartan race I crutched at this point. But I'm like, this is going to take me all day. I handed my crutches over mm-hmm. to my uh, teammates and I just started hopping. And I, I'm going to tell you something, man. That is something I'll never, ever do again. <laughs> that was like a whole new level of soreness the next day. Of this, and there was this, this awesome video um, that somebody took. Because you have to go on the – you actually have to go on the field at one point. And I'm just hopping on the field. And somebody from the stands got a yep. video of this. And it somehow it ended up back that's, in my uh, – That's what I saw. That's what I saw. Yeah. What, and, what um, you're describing. Okay. Yeah. That's my friend, Emily Ledoux. She's running right next to me, holding my crutches. And then from behind me running ahead of me is the mat, the rest of the mass athlete team. And, um, I, I saw that. I'm like, man, that's a cool looking video, but man, was it stupid. I like the next day my foot was like, and my other leg was damaged too. I almost, I was almost a double amputee, but we salvaged this one. I know you were. And it, like, right. No, it I, I know pretty, your story. I know that, uh, you almost, uh, ended up, uh, with losing both. And um, I want to rewind just a little bit. And believe it or not, my first introduction to you was before I was an amputee. I want to talk about the 2013 memorial concert that you were a part of. I mean, we're going, we're going back a ways. Mm -hmm. And Here's a, uh, not that you're not young, but here's a very young Earl Granville telling his story, being, you know, hosted, honored, you know, by Joe Mantegna and uh, Gary Sinise and this compelling, just extraordinary story of the soldiers that they're talking about. And... You know, never in my mind, you know, here, here's, here's this, you know, this, this war hero, this veteran, this, this guy who's, who's gone through a tremendous amount of pain and struggle. His family has gone through a tremendous amount of pain and struggle. And to never think someday, 10 years from now, not only am I going to meet this person, talk to this person, engage this person, I'm going to be an amputee myself. I mean, that's pretty crazy when you think about it. And I do recall just very much focusing on you and your story and just the beauty. I always, you know, I, I very often, and I don't know if this is a coping mechanism for me, I, I very much refer to it as the beautiful struggle that you've hmm. been part of. Um. Tell me about that concert and how that came about. I'm, I'm a little fascinated in terms of the behind the scenes, 
kind of aspect of that. Every year for the 4th of July and Memorial Day, PBS hosts what's called uh, uh, you know, National Memorial Day Concert, which is the evening before Memorial Day. Um, on the Capitol Hill lawn of Washington, D.C. And they do it also for 4th of July, but I mainly the National Memorial Day concert. I've been involved with them for a few years. But before I even, I, I, for, I didn't even know this existed. It's live on TV on PBS every year. Someone from PBS, a producer, asked me what I thought of being, um, telling my, or hearing, having my story. Um being told by two celebrities and at first like, what is this a joke? Like, so they, it wasn't guaranteed, but they wanted to hear me out first. So I told my story and, you know, losing my leg and anybody out there, uh, the loss of my twin brother, Joe. And it started with us joining the military and, uh, till my brother's death. And I was a little taken back. Like, because it is still, it was still fresh with my brother. At that point, it hasn't even been three years. And the fact that this was just going to be, you know, on such a huge, I guess you could say, realm of people um, was heavy. And I didn't know what to expect, right? And so PBS had myself, my family, my brother's family. Um, and I got to invite a few of my friends as well down to Washington, D.C. to sit in the audience and see this live on TV. And Joe Montana uh, told a story of my perspective. And Gary Sinise uh, told a story my brother's perspective and two brilliant actors oh my yes and uh two wonderful wonderful individuals i mean i um i i I haven't talked to in a while but in the years i've emailed them and it was them emailing me back and wonderful individuals especially like uh, you know i I, mr sinise and uh, you know the charity he's doing what he's doing for the military community yeah, very active, and, very active in that space. Absolutely. And um, I got to tell you, just sitting there hearing your story with the orchestra behind them and, and uh, you know, I'm just watching this and I hearing them tell the story of when I hit that roadside bomb in Afghanistan and, um, you know, it, it's how I tell my story today to audience. You know, I, I, my medic, Doc Jones, working on me, Tech Force Air, Tech Sergeant Air, excuse me, Air Force Tech Sergeant Eric Jones. We worked for the Air Force that day and I was Army, but uh, Doc Jones working on me. And I said, how's uh, everybody doing? They're doing fine. They're doing good. We're working on them. And they put me on a a litter and they carried me behind a vehicle for cover, um, you know, walking past those two body bags. I knew it was it was uh, my buddies, uh, Major Scott Haggerty, who took my seat that day, which literally yeah. is why I'm still here. Yep. So what do I have to complain about? When I say second chance at life, I really mean second chance at life. 
and driving the vehicle, driving the vehicle, especially as Derek Holland. And hearing Joe Montaigne say those words as if I was saying it, gut punch. It's heavy, you know. And um, yeah. And moving forward, um, you know, I even have to back up a little bit. They mentioned my buddy George Puglisi in that. Joe was a little closer to George than I was, but George was killed on our Iraq deployment back in 2005. And hearing his name on a grand stage like that, you know, that's another one. Um, but then, you know, the big moment. You know, after losing my leg, I was, I felt good. I was like, you know, it didn't happen right away, but going to Walter Reed is 2008. So moving forward, I was just like, you know, Joe was helping me a little bit of physical therapy when he can. He just had a new job at that point. So he was, um, you know, when you get that new job, a lot of employees, you're on that year probation of not taking off work. But Joe was like, they let him go right down and take care of me when needed. And um, my recovery was going great. I'm watching other people with much more severe injuries than me live a very active lifestyle. So my perspective, things were yeah. great. But my brother's perspective was a little different. And then um, because we were National Guard and we both worked in the same unit, basically, they pulled him from the next deployment. And I know that he he, he didn't want that. I know, I know Joe enough. He did not want that. And a week before Christmas in 2010, I'm getting ready for a black tie event. I get out of the shower. I, I put my suit pants on and, and my prosthetic and just a t-shirt before I get fully dressed and I'm in front of the mirror doing my hair and phone rings. And I just go, I let it go to voicemail, I finish doing my hair and see my phone and see it's my mom. I listen to the mm-hmm. voicemail and she's distraught on the other end. She needs to call me immediately. So I give her a call and she's, uh, um, you know, she just keeps apologizing. And I just, mom, calm down. What's the matter? While he was on active duty, my twin brother, Staff Sergeant Joe Granville, takes his own life. And worst day of my life, guys. And yeah. to hear Joe Montagna say that, and what, you, what you're not seeing in that moment, it's like, I, we're, my family's right there in the front row while it's live on TV. And I know it's coming up because I obviously know the story. You don't see me. I'm, I'm bawling my eyes out. Like, and then oh, I see the camera. It's, uh, it's super, super powerful. I mean, I, I would recommend if you haven't seen it to check it out. It's on YouTube. Um, it's overwhelming the just the nature of it and the way it's done so beautifully and uh respectfully and Mm -hmm. um what a incredible legacy to your life and really um when i think about you and going through you know, going through wartime and and losing, you know, uh, your leg, but then to come home to deal with 
what I would, I would think for you was a much worse tragedy, uh, losing a twin brother. And I mean, with siblings, we're, you know, we're, we're all close. However, anyone I know personally, and you, you, you can speak to this, anyone I know personally that has a twin, you're close, man. Right. You're close. Twins are close. I mean, you grow up close. It's, it's not, it's not like, you know, your big brother or your little sister. It's like, it's, it's almost like a part of you. And I, I, I think about your story, Earl, and I'm, I I think, man, this, this, this guy lost two parts of himself. He lost a limb and then he lost this twin brother. And for you to battle back from that, for you to be in the space you're in now, the way you inspire others, the way you engage so many, and it's not just about the amputee community with you. What's what's so remarkable about you, you is yes, you 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 volunteer, you serve, uh, you know, wounded, disabled veterans. Uh, that community is certainly well served by you, but you reach a much bigger audience with your work. You reach the common man. You reach corporations, teams of people that are looking for the guiding light to find their best selves, to persevere and to push through whatever boundaries they create or that life creates for them. How... um, how are you doing now with all of that? And, you know, how is that worked into like the fabric of your life at this point? Where does that sit, you know, inside of you? What, what shelf is that resting on? Well, if we're talking about my, my, uh, you know, I guess my line of work, I could call it the speaking. It's, uh, you know, one of the biggest purposes in my life. I, I, I can't imagine. Like, look, I gotta be real. My brother died. I was, especially how it happened. Like, yeah. it, it hit me like a ton of bricks. And 2011, it was like self destruction. That's how I, I feel like I was doing. And I'm not ready to openly talk about all that stuff, but, um, I felt like the redemption, the comeback, and it's like, (laughs) I heard my buddy, I talked about it earlier, Anthony Busco say, your disabilities don't have to define who you are. They're going to define themselves. And he was saying that like, as of what we do as an organization, And I just thought like, another thing, it's like nothing has to define who we are. Any adversity, disability, car accident, death of a loved one, um, you lost your job, any of that, it doesn't have to define who you are. And I started thinking that it's like, you know, so I, I do tons of podcasts and I always get, they start off like, so Earl, sum yourself up. And I'm, I don't know, I'm just Earl. That's it. You know, I'm, if you want me to sum it up, I'll be like, all right, I'm Earl and I figured it out. And now I want to give my ideas of what I figured out in these adversities that I faced in life. 
and give it to the world. So nobody has to go into something like this the way I did. You know what I mean? Because for a while I was that victim. I was what I like to call Uncle Rico. I had Uncle Rico syndrome. You ever seen Napoleon Dynamite? <laughs> Napoleon Dynamite. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Uncle, like I was that Uncle guy. <laughs> I was that guy living in the past after Joe died. You know what I did for my country? <laughs> Nobody gives a shit. Nobody cares. You know, I was in um, this dysfunctional veteran. Let me ask you something. Where does playing a victim get you in life? Yeah, pretty much nowhere. Exactly. And that's exactly what I was doing. I couldn't live that life anymore. And some of the people I work with, some of these, um, you know, some of our honorees in OEW, some of our teammates at Oscar Mike that we try to assist through the course, it's like, look, man, um, it doesn't have to define you. No one's you know, at the end of the day, nobody gives a shit. You know, it's it's um, but let's work together so you don't have to carry the weight by yourself to get you through this. Because I swear, when you look back, you're gonna realize you're damn fucking right. I got through that shit. Look at me now. Yep. And that's what I want to teach people. Mm-hmm. It's like, but basic the basic way to get through it. I feel like this is just this is just my ideas. You know, three P's we talked about. You have to have a purpose. You must have a passion and you have to be part of something bigger than yourself. You know, when I was in the military, those three P's were real easy. Like your whole life is embodied wearing that uniform. But when you take that uniform off, as we see a lot of our uh, former armed forces members, they get lost. And that's where that Uncle Rico syndrome comes into play. You know what I did? Well, what are you doing now? You don't want to be on your deathbed. Decades from now, and somebody says, what did you do with your life? You say, well, I went to Iraq. <laughs> well, that was a long time ago. What did you do after that? Remind everybody you went to Iraq? Like, what's next? What's what that chapter closed? What's, what goes on now? Find those three Ps. My three Ps, my purpose, I'm a public speaker. And trying to discuss healthy ways of battle adversity. And understand, it's like Bosco says, you don't, your injuries don't define you. You're going to find yourself. I want to give that to the world. My passion, what I do for myself, physical fitness and traveling, two things that are very important to me. And uh, we could say dogs too. Who does the freaking love dogs, right? I got, my, <laughs> I got Sparta, one of them staring at me right now. <laughs> like, are we going out soon? <laughs> and number yeah, I've three. Seen, I've seen your dog. I've seen your dogs on online. So they're, they're cute. Yeah, Sparta, she just had knee surgery. So that's why I'm that's why I'm home. So we're home for a few days yeah. and she recovers with her little cone around that's her cool. neck. <laughs> Poor girl. <laughs> but uh the third P, being which I feel is most important, being a part of something bigger than yourself. But you must be careful of what category you put yourself in. You know what I mean? I think something healthy, something that's part of the community, something that's assisting those that are in need. And that's why I do this charity work. And it's uh, watching people reach their goals. You know, like my buddy Nick Bikey, U.S. Air Force veteran. He um, just got his trifecta last year in the Spartan community. Um, Nick, was um, his injury is he lost sight in his one eye and he has to wear an eye, eye patch. Uh, my buddy Stephen Keller, he's finally going for his trifecta. We took him through his first uh, uh, fitness event with OEW and now he's hooked. He's like, oh, what do I get that Spartan trifecta, the three pie pieces? 
I feel like, you know, I get these awards for all this volunteer work, but I'm like, well, I'm doing this for me, man. Because being a part of something, you know, it's like you don't need a uniform to serve your country. I realize that. You could do it right here in your backyard. And that's what I, that's what I feel like I'm doing now. And it fulfills me inside. So it's like, man, don't give me an award. Like I no, man, I, this is like, no, that, to me, I'm getting more out of this. Than all of that messaging is so important and, you know, serving your community and not feeling as if you, you can't because so many are in need and those are very, very wise words. I would highly recommend if you are looking to be inspired, you know, to follow Earl, to engage him. What's What do you prefer as the best way to reach you um, for bookings and things like that? Um, if anybody's interested, check out my website, earlgranville.org. You could do booking there. Um, but you can all, just message me on social media, Instagram, Earl Granville's my handle. Yeah. Um, I feel like everybody yep. has Instagram nowadays. I get a lot of work just through there, but, um, no, I, I, I appreciate ways. you being, yeah, I appreciate you being so accessible and so kind and certainly patient with me trying to, <laughs> trying to nail you down for an interview, um, I am truly inspired by everything that you do. And if, if, you know, you were, you were going to measure, you know, am, am I reaching anyone, you know, um, man, you definitely reached me. Um, even before I was an amputee, you know, um, and throughout the years and certainly once I became an amputee, circling back to you and saying, this is uh, this man has a vibration that I would like to emulate. This person has an energy, has a life force that I want to kind of tap into in my own way, in my own special way, in my own life to say, uh, how can I reach my fullest potential within my capacities as as an amputee? But more more than that, Earl just as a person, um, to, to approach things in such a way where you can be proud of how you, as I would say, uh, you're, you're living high in that frequency. So, um, I want to thank you for being here and serving this community the way that you do for volunteering your time. Um, and, uh, that's actually going to wrap it up for us. Earl Granville, such a pleasure my name is Rick Bonkowski. This is the Amped Up to 11 podcast, and I want to wish everyone health and happiness, and we will see you next time. Thanks. <laughs>